invite you guys to take a seat. Um, before we get going, I do want to uh, dismiss all of the elementary age students, and I believe that this week is also middle school students. Please go ahead and you guys can head that way. Hopefully you guys know where you're going because I don't really know where you're supposed to go. Um, I just want to say, I, I may be a, a person that is standing in front of you and you, and you might go, I kind of know who that guy is. Um, or you may be somebody that's like, I definitely don't know who that person is and why is he standing in front of us. Um, my name is Phil Zwerink. Um, I am, I, I've been a Wellspring attender for quite a while. Um, I typically sit over here. Um, and um, I'm also the area director for Young Life here in, in St. Joe. Um, so I get to spend a lot of time with high school, uh, middle school, and college-age students. Um, I'm also, I, just not too long ago, I finished uh, going back to school to get my counseling degree um, so that I could actually sit with folks and um, really kind of process through some difficult things. And so um, I've been doing that for about a year. And uh, um, I want you to know that I don't very often get an opportunity to stand and preach um, and to, to share things with you. Um, and as I prepare, I, I am always so grateful to Bob and Justin after getting done preparing this. I just want to say thank you guys. Well, I don't know. I, I don't think Bob's here, but I know Justin's here. Where are you, Justin? I just want to say thank you. Thank you guys for, for the time that you spend preparing um, and, and sharing things with, with folks here on Sunday mornings. Because um, this is, uh, it is definitely a complicated, it's a complicated thing that, that, uh, that they do. Um, and so we've been wandering through this sermon series called Life in the Balance. Um, and in particular, we've been wandering through these three phases of life in the balance. And the first one is orientation. The second is disorientation. And the third is reorientation. Um, and I get the privilege of talking about reorientation. Um, that's what we're going to spend some time wandering through this morning. Um, but we've, this is actually, here's the funny part about this sermon, as we have been through this process, orientation, disorientation, and reorientation, this is the end of the third time through. The end of the third time through that process of orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And I find it interesting that we're in that spot, and I'm like, why, why are the Psalms so full of these things? Why is Scripture so full of this? Why would God desire for us to wander through this process over and over and over again. Why? If, if we have a God who really cares about us, why wouldn't he just make things peaceful? Why wouldn't he just, like, set us and go, hey, live life, enjoy one another, it's great, everything's good. There's got to be something about this process that is really important for us. Um, and I'm convinced that God would not allow us to go through the ringer over and over again unless there was something that was really valuable to be learned. Um, I don't know exactly what it is for you. I don't know what it exactly is for me. But I do know that there's something that God values in this process. Um, two weeks ago, um, Bob talked about 
disorientation. And he talked about the chaos, like the struggle that we have to remember God's presence during the middle of chaos. When it's all going awry, just how difficult it is to sit and remember who God is in our lives. He also talked about the fact that we tend to blame one another. We tend to like blame everybody around us for what's going on with us in the middle of disorientation instead of being self-reflective. Instead of looking inward and going, what is it that I'm responsible for? What is it that about my brokenness that I can own and that I need to work through? Um, we also search for the easiest way out during disorientation, and we forget to seek the Lord's goodness and listen to his voice. Um, but today, we get to talk about something that's amazing, reorientation. This idea of what is it like to like enter into reorientation. And I want to tell a story before we actually read the scripture that we're going to dive into. Um, how many of you guys have read the book Into Thin Air by John Krakauer? Anybody in this room ever read that book? Okay. There are a few of you who have read this book. It is an absolutely fascinating book about this climb uh, from uh, Mount Everest. Um, and I'm not going to go into the to the details of the book. But what I do know to be true is that as people climb Mount Everest, they like climb, they climb for a little while and then they stop for a little while and rest. And then they climb for a little while longer and they stop and they rest. And they climb and then they stop and then they rest. And some of the stories in that book are about what it's like to actually get to, they call them, uh, they call them like camps, so like camp one or camp two, and what it's like to actually like leave base camp and actually make it to camp one or make it to camp two and the feelings that come along with actually being in a place that I'm no longer, I'm no longer in the middle of the struggle, but I can sit, I can take a drink, I can eat food, I can talk with people. I can sing songs, although on Mount Everest, I don't know that you have enough breath to sing songs, but, um, but that I can get an opportunity to rest and relax. And that's what we're talking about today, is this peace that comes just for a moment as we journey with Jesus. And so um, we're going to be talking about what that looks like. And so we're going to dive right in. Um, I have a friend with me this morning. She's a kindergarten teacher. Her name's Maddie Michalski, um, and she is going to read our passage of scripture for us this morning. Um, before you read, it's Psalms 98. It's page 857 in your Bible. Um, if you would like to follow along with her, I would encourage you to go ahead and open, um, open there. Um, and, and so she's going to read along, and um, I would just encourage you to listen to the words. Some of the words that we're going to use, uh, that, that King David uses in here, are going to be things that we're going to really explore today um, as, we, as we read. So, Maddie, would you read that for me? Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. 
Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Thank you, Maddie. I appreciate that. Um, I want you to know this psalm was broken up into three parts. Um, the first part that David, that, that King David uses is a declaration. Um, Sing to the Lord a new song. Um, and we are going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but first, the second part is in verses 2 through 3. Um, these are an explanation of why we are singing a new song. Why we are doing this. Why are we singing a new song? And then verses 4 through 9 tell us how. How to sing a new song. Um, I don't like using scripture as being really a, like a prescriptive, like, hey, um, do this, do that, do this, do that, because um, I feel like it really takes away from what scripture is. Um, but I do feel like in this case, King David is like, I want you to sing a new song, and here's how we do it. Um, and so he moves forward, and you got to understand why. Then the why produces the passion, and then here is how. We sing the new song. And so um, this past, uh, actually about a week and a half ago, I got an opportunity to go on vacation with my family. Um, actually, it was just three. Uh, th there were just three of us. There are five of us in our family. And, uh, and so it was me, my, my wife, my daughter, and uh, we took one of my daughter's friends. My older boys were not available to go on vacation with us. But we got an opportunity to do some absolutely amazing things uh, while we were there. We, uh, we did some rock climbing, um, which is, is fun. We went out to Buena Vista and hired a rock climbing guide, and um, we climbed up this uh, crevice of a rock. I still have bruises on my knees and um, things from trying to inch my big behind up, the, up this rock face. Um, uh, but we also got an opportunity to, like, do a hike. Um, it was a, a four-and-a-half-mile round-trip hike where we climbed from one, this beautiful lake, and we climbed up to another beautiful lake. Um, and uh, it just reminded me, while we were there, we were born for adventure. We were born to be on an adventure. That is how God created us to be. Created us to be on an adventure. And early on with us, God calls us and says, hey, I'm, I'm on an adventure. I want you to come and be on an adventure with me. Like, come and spend time with me. Come walk with me. Come be with me on this adventure. He created us for this purpose. Uh, if we look at verse 1, David clearly says, um, there's a, there's a really interesting thing in here. David clearly says, if you look at verse 1, it says, His right hand and holy arm have worked out salvation for him. There's an interesting thing that happens to us as believers, or folks who are walking with Jesus, or folks who don't know Jesus. There's an interesting thing. We make life all about us. 
Like, we have this tendency to go, this journey that we're on is a journey that is meant for me. I, it, like, I, I am the main character in the journey. I am the main character. The story revolves around me. And I want you to know, it is clear in this passage of Scripture that, that David says, the journey, salvation, is for God. It is his journey It is his adventure, and we get to be a part of it. Um, When I first fell in love with Jesus, my first question, like, so I had, I grew up in a home where I heard a lot about Jesus, and right about the time that I got into high school, um, I, there was, I got to go to a Young Life camp. I also was, like, participating as a camp counselor to, uh, like, elementary school kids, and uh, when, when I first fell in love with Jesus was right about the time that I was a freshman. And uh, I, I remember being in that space and feeling the, for the first time, like, okay, I understand what God did for me. My first question after that is, why? Why is God doing this? Why did Jesus die on the cross for me? Why? Why would God create the universe and put me in it? Why? Why was this happening? Why do you care about me, is the question that I was asking God. And I want you to know, I think the answer is pretty simple. It's because God enjoys it. God enjoys the adventure, and God enjoys creating. And he enjoys you, his creation. God loves it. It is his pleasure. Um, uh, uh, while we were on vacation, we, we went to this place called uh, uh, the Hot Springs, Prince, Mount Princeton Hot Springs Resort. Um, and I don't know if anybody's ever been there, but they're, like, they're, there's this big giant water slide that's there. Um, and I feel stupid because I'm a 48-year-old man, um, but I also am kind of a child. Um, and so I went and got a mat, um, and my wife is also, I, I don't want to say it out loud, but she's a little bit of a child too. Um, and so we got a mat, and we decided, hey, we're going to go on this water slide. You know, so we, we got our mats, and we uh, got in line, and we're wandering up on the water slide, and, and uh, we're getting up there, and the, the, the pe- there's, there's a little girl that's about three years old and her mom, um, and they're wandering in front of us. And as we're walking up, the little girl's like, why is that man over there? Not, not looking at me. There was somebody else digging a hole. Um, but wh- why is that? Wh- why, what's going on over there? Why is that happening? Um, and, and the mom's like, well, I think that person's taking care of the lawn there. Why? Why is that? Wh- why, why is the water slide there? What is, why, why are, what is that? Why are we doing that? Um, well, we're going up. We're going to go get on the water slide. Why is that lady up there standing at the top of the, at, at the, top of the water slide? Well, it's to help the, you know, so folks don't go down too early. Why? Why is she stepping on the mat? You know, it's just persistent. Why, why, why? And I have to admit, she's a little blonde girl, and I was like, this is precious. So cute. I love this. And finally, the mom goes, she looks at the little girl and says, just wait. You will see. Like, the pleasure, the adventure, the thing that God's created for us to do is his pleasure. He loves it. Like, just like this mom 
was taking her little girl up to go on this adventure on this water slide. I can only imagine that that is how God feels with us on this adventure, holding our hand as we walk, as we go, asking the question, why? And God's just like, just wait. Just wait. Here's the cool part about it is that God is the main character in this, but we are not just tag-alongs. We are major players. Like, God invites us to be major players in this thing. Um, we're not just like, I, I remember one time in Chicago, we were there in Chicago, and, and they were filming, uh, there was a set, and there was this Bruce Willis movie going on, and, and they asked a group of us, hey, would you guys walk across this bridge? And, and somewhere in some Bruce Willis movie, I'm walking across a bridge. But it's a total, like, they didn't pay me any money. I'm not, I, I was just this total side note. Nobody ever, nobody's ever going to look at that and, oh, there's Phil. Um, that's not who we are. We're like, we get to play a part. We get to play a big role in what's going on in this adventure. I want you to, uh, we're, there's a, I'm going to put a slide up on the screen. That's, that's Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13. Um, it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God has invited us into his story, and we get to play a part like we're, we're working out the journey. We're working out salvation. It's not that I'm working out my own salvation, but I am joining God in his salvation, in his story, in his journey. I get to play a major part in what's going on. Here's the danger that we face in the middle of disorientation is that while we're in the middle of that place where we're struggling and we have gotten so discombobulated, we often begin to ask the questions, I could write this adventure better. I could be on this adventure better. I could tell the story better. This is not how this should go. I should be the main character. In the middle of disorientation, just like as if you were a climber on the climb up to Mount Everest, and you're in the middle of it, and you can't breathe, and all of a sudden you step and you fall because the snow below you gives way, or you are just in such problem-solving mode, and I can only imagine that there's this place where you go, this journey is stupid. This is not the way that it should go. And you begin to question the journey that God has put us on. That is the fear, the danger that we have in the middle of disorientation. But as we enter into reorientation, and this is what I get to do today, is I get to stand before you as if I'm the guy who is at, like, at the front of base camp as you guys have just finished, finished the climb, finished this part of the journey, and I get to like... Say, way to go. Good job. I'm so proud of you. Like, 
Look at what you've done. Look at where you've come from. Look at what's happened, and now you're here. And I want you to know that there are wonderful senses to be had. There's food. There's water. Take a deep breath and sit down. Relax. There are songs to be heard. There are things to be tasted, smells to be had. And we're going to do some of that this morning. Like beautiful part that we get to do communion this morning. Um, there are, are like rest for just a moment. Relax. But I want you to take a moment to look back at, the, at where you've just been. At the climb that you've just been on. God uses our senses to help us remember things. I, w- I want to ask you guys a question. So I have, um, I have some places and some things in life that automatically just take me back to that very space in history, like whether it's 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, I'm going to give you guys just a moment to actually step back and think about what those senses are. Um, but for me, like one of the things that I remember most is whenever I go somewhere and I smell bubble gum, and tobacco. I automatically go back to when I was 10 years old and I play baseball. <laughs> like, it takes me back to that space every time. I was, all I do is smell that and I'm like, oh, baseball. I want to give you guys just like 20 seconds. And 20 seconds is a long time. Close your eyes if you can or if you need to and think like, what, what is that place that you just go to? What is that sense that you experience? Is there anybody in here who's willing to kind of share? What is it that takes you back to that place? What were you thinking about? Anybody who's willing? The smell of chlorine bleach. I'm in the pool. Yes. Smell of chlorine bleach, I'm in the pool. What else? Oh, that morning school smell before it starts to smell like B.O. and feet. Yes. <laughs> I get it. The morning school smell where it's fresh. Yes. Yes. What else? Yeah, Blue Jays call, and you hear it, and you automatically go back to your grandparents' cabin. Fresh baked bread takes you back to your grandma's house. One more. The smell of a fresh, did you say a fresh car? Fresh tar. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it takes you back to family vacations. Yes. 
Uh, thank you guys for sharing those things with me. I, here's the crazy part. So I've, I've, uh, I've, be, I've done some counseling stuff, and, and one of the things that I did not realize is that our entire body is a vessel that is designed to hold memories. Like, it's not just our brain. Our entire body holds on to things and takes us back to places that, that are like, that can be wonderful. Now, I do also want you to know, after sitting with people for hours, I realize that sometimes, sometimes our bodies hold on to things that cause us harm and trauma. Like, they take us back to a place that's, that is, is really difficult. But I'm convinced that God has given us this body with our five senses to take us back and to remember the places where we experience him, where we actually sit in his presence and we begin to kind of go like, man, um, like he loves me. Um, in verse two there, it says, he has remembered his love and faithfulness to Israel he has remembered, and he's taken me back to that space through my five senses. He's taken me back to those places. It's important to realize that we can literally go back there. Like, if it just doesn't take very long for us to sit and, and go back to the place where we originally encountered, encountered Jesus. Um, I, want, I want you guys to, there, there's a picture. Um, this was a couple years ago. I, I had an opportunity um, this is at a Billy Joel concert at Fenway, okay? Um, and uh, uh, at this concert, uh, I, I actually got to go with, with, my, with, with my children and my wife. Um, we were sitting way, way, way back in the nosebleeds. Um, but Billy Joel holds a little bit of a special place, not because Billy Joel is a special person, um, but because there's a song that he sings. I guess that's why they call it the blues, that whenever I hear that song, I am taken back to a place where I am sitting with my now spouse, and I'm sitting in I'm sitting in a room with her on the floor, and we're cutting and clipping pictures so that she can put them in a in an album. And I'm literally in that space again where I can like be with her and remember her and, and know like this is kind of one of the places where I remember like, I love her. Like, I'm gonna be with her forever. No matter what she does, no matter what I do, I'm gonna be with her. And I remember that place and I remember that space and that song takes me back there. And during disorientation, we have very limited ability because we are in survival mode. We just do not have the ability to remember. And so as we enter that camp, as we've completed the climb, we've completed this part of the journey, I just want you to know that there's part of what we're doing in reorientation that is simply remembering what it's like to be with Jesus to sit in that space with him, love him, and know him. When I finished, uh, we, we took this, uh, uh, took this uh, little uh, hike on our vacation, um, and when I finished, 
But when I finished the climb, I, I didn't have a, really the heart to tell my wife, and this is going to be the first time that she heard this, but um, I didn't really have the heart to tell her. I was like, in the middle of the climb, I just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Like, um, we started climbing, and we were climbing in this space. The, the rocks and the boulders were kind of like twisty and turning, and I'm stupid, and I was climbing in tennis shoes. And, and uh, you know, like my ankles were kind of rolling all over the place, and the the, the pair of tennis shoes that I was wearing had really thin soles, and my, the bottom of my feet hurt, and, uh, and I didn't have the heart during the middle of the climb to, like, tell her, this sucks. Why are we here? Why are we doing this? I don't want to do this. But when we got to the top, and at the top, there was this lake, and there was this fox running around, which I find funny. There's this place of, like, oh, this is why we're here. This is why we're here. This is the place where I can sit and relax for just a minute and be quiet and be in the presence of Jesus. Um, I want to show you guys, there's another, uh, this, is, uh, this is a guy, if you'd like to follow him on Instagram, his name's Scott the, Scott, Scott the Painter, um, Scott Erickson, he's a uh, He's an artist, and uh, I want to read to you guys the poem that goes along with this picture. Here's what it says. Often we believe that our emotions are in the way of accomplishing prayer, but they are in fact the very guideposts in interacting with the divine. When we bring our emotional experiences to God, we are consenting to God's healing presence and action in the everyday activities of normal life. We feel and sink into the feelings, emotions, sensations, and commentaries that are embedded in our body, and we welcome God into, no matter how unwelcoming it may feel, no one feels comfortable welcoming the, welcoming the Almighty into the house of anger or a cave of sadness. But it is in this very invitation that we begin to let go of the desire for control, security, or affection tied to this feeling, because we see that God's present presence isn't dependent on how tidy the place is, but how committed love is to healing that which it loves. We have the opportunity to sit in that space and remember who God is, how we experience God, and to relax and to just wonder and to experience, even if it's just for a night, like what it's look like, what, what is it like to be on the journey with God? But that's not the end of reorientation. Here's what happens as we experience and move forward in reorientation. We are refreshed. We get a drink. We get some place to eat. We sit. We get a good night's rest. We sing. We play for a moment. And as we are refreshed, we begin to move forward and look onward. If you'll, if you'll look in the verses, uh, verses four through eight, it's easy to picture this great celebration that's happening. There's trumpets, um, there's roars, there's, uh, uh, and all of the earth is doing all of it. My wife and I both noticed that it's pretty amazing. The two things that bring me back to God are nature and music. 
And those two things are really wound up together in this passage of Scripture. But I want you to know that we're not designed to be here. We're only halfway. Only halfway in the journey is halfway. We're designed for more. It's like there's the base camp and then there's more. And at some point during our refreshment, we actually need to step back and go, how do I begin to address the rest of the adventure? How do I begin to trust in God again that there's more to be had and walk knowingly into a place where I'm going to be disoriented again, where I won't be able to breathe well, where everything around me will be difficult? I'm going to walk there on purpose, and I want to say yes. That is what we're supposed to be doing in reorientation, is learning how to walk there on purpose and go there on purpose. I want you guys to know that uh, there is some, something beautiful that happens during that place, um, that, and it happens there uh, in verse 9. And David points us in verse 9 onward and upward, pointing to the end path that we know is coming to this earth. In verse 9, it says, For he comes to judge the earth, and he will judge the world with righteousness and people with equity. I do want you to know this is not designed to be some sort of punishment. We are not being punished by God. And uh, if there, there's another passage of scripture that we want to read. If you'll flip to the next slide, it's Romans. It says, Consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed for us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This is not punishment. Judgment is not punishment for us. In fact, what it is, is that God is removing the arbitrary and abstract things that we are judged by in this world, by Satan. And he is going to come and provide that peaceful, that place where we go, okay, I understand what I've done. And I understand how to move forward. It is designed for peace. God wants us to look forward to the end time, not to fear it. He wants us to look to the end of the journey and go, over there is where we're going. Yay! Not, oh my gosh, over there is death. He wants us to look forward to the end. There's a great quote by James Boyce. Here's what it says. I love, I think the way C.S. Lewis developed this idea in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In the first section of that book, when Narnia was under the power of the wicked witch of the north, the land was in a state of perpetual winter. Spring never came. When Aslan rose from the dead and the ice began to melt, flowers bloomed, bloomed, the trees turned green. It is poetic writing, but it describes something that will happen. The rivers will indeed clap their hands, and the mountains will indeed sing, and we will all join in. The end is not judgment and death. The end is judgment and life. The end is where we should be looking for. What's the next part of the journey? If we sit 
in this place, we will be forever in, at camp too. And we are designed to be on a journey that lasts to the end of our lifetime that has base camp, camp one, camp two, camp three, camp four, camp five, camp six. I don't know how many camps there is for you. But we're designed to continue to go to that space. And David points us onward and upward because that is where God is. That is where we get to sit in physical presence with Jesus. And I don't know what that looks like. I know that there's lots of words in the Bible that talk about it. I don't know exactly what it looks like. But I know and trust God that it's going to be absolutely amazing. So as we sit in reorientation and gather our breath and sit at the table and eat and drink and share stories, sing songs, let us always remember that we are designed to keep going. Sing a new song. Sing a new song. That's David's declaration to us. Sing a new song. And here's the reason why the old songs, and in David's case, the songs of Egypt, the songs in the desert, aren't good enough for taking the promised land. Sing a new song. And I want to ask you, What's your new song? Have you thought about it? Are you wondering? Are you leaning in? Are you looking to the top and asking the question, where is God calling me to? And what's the new song that I need to be singing? I do want you to know the song is a metaphor. Like it's, you know, I don't want to get a text, hey, I made a new song and I sung it for you. The song is a metaphor for like, what's next on the journey? What's next? Where are you headed? What is God calling you to? Let's go. Today, we get the privilege of remembering what it looks like to be seated with Jesus, to break bread, to remember that his body and blood were broken for us. We're going to get an opportunity to not just have like the visual, but also like the taste. And I want you to remember God loves you, wants to take you his journey. Luckily, we get to do it together. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to invite the worship band to come up and uh, help lead us the rest of our time. And I thank you for hearing me out this morning. Dear Holy Father, Lord, be with us as we remember that your body, that your blood was broken and spilt for us so that we might know you, so that we might walk with you on this journey. You have affixed the guide ropes you have walked the journey in advance. You have actually designed this for us. 
And I pray that we would never just sit still, that we would continue to move. Lord, be with us as we partake in your, in your body and your blood. It's in your holy name that we pray.